when you bring in a person to your agency, you're not just bringing them in, you're bringing in their families, their extended families, their children, their significant others, their pets, and all of these things, right? You, you have a responsibility for people. So we don't take that responsibility lightly. We believe in our people. We believe in work-life balance. And we believe in support. So regardless of where the business takes us, if you think again of people first, you'll always do the right thing. Hey there, this is Ben. Thanks for tuning in to Lead the Team. Before we jump in, we just broke into the top 3% of all podcasts globally, and that's largely due to the support of listeners just like you. I invite you to subscribe so you're notified when we release a new episode and also leave a quick review. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Hello, Lead the Team Nation. I've got a great one in store for you today with Dr. Susan Dorfman, who's president and CEO over at CMI Media Group. Now, if you're not familiar with it, CMI Media Group is a WPP company and is a full-service media agency focused on health, wellness, and pharmaceutical marketing. She's led her company to be one of the highest or to achieve one of the highest employee approval ratings of any CEO in the industry and was recognized by Campaign Magazine as a top leader. Susan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to have you on here. Now, I've heard that you were born, in quotes, commander-in-chief. What's the story there? Yeah, well, if you ask my mom, she would tell you that um, that's what they call me. So um, interesting story. I grew up in a one-bedroom, tiny, tiny apartment, one-bedroom, one-bathroom, with my mom, my dad, my grandmother, my grandfather, my aunt, my uncle, my cousin and my great-grandmother and grandfather. And apparently, I don't remember this, I was the commander-in-chief of all of them. <laughs> apparently, I <laughs> had them, uh, yeah, I, I commanded them to do things, when to go out with me, when to, and I started talking at a very, very early age, apparently started reading before I was two. So, oh wow! Hearsay. I don't believe a single word of it um, at all. <laughs> well, um, yeah, till this day, I think my uh, my uh, family would call me um, boss lady or something, lady boss. I'm not quite sure exactly what they mean by that. Just the boss, like Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> well, what? So, what was it like growing up in a room with that many family members, all the same, all in the same place there? Um. It was a long line to the bathroom, let me just say. It was, um, you know, it was probably challenging. I'm not sure that anyone living in this country could ever imagine growing up like that. I wasn't born in this country. I was born in the Ukraine. Um, but mm. there is a sense of family that you get um, when you live in such a community. And I think that's probably one of the key things for me, even at work, is the sense of family. Um, wow. 
no one, no one standing over your shoulder can ever be um, too intrusive. Yeah, you're probably very comfortable now with close quarters. Uh, oh, yeah. Perhaps, yeah. perhaps. <laughs> then, yeah, we we here in America love our massive square footage, and I think we lose a lot with that. Um, a lot of questions come to mind. Uh, one is through the pandemic and people being so spread out and knowing that how many people in the office can, I think, make culture stronger because you're seeing people every day, you know, the water cooler conversations are happening. The trust is easier to build. And in a world where people are going remotely, uh, how do you, how do you experience that as a leader, the disconnectedness in a physical space? Um, how, how is it for you there? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll share something a little bit from my background in terms mm -hmm. of growing up and, and the feeling of family and the feeling of contribution. So as I was growing up, I had family, I still do, in the Ukraine. I had family all over the country. I had family in other countries. And um, while being in person definitely makes you feel connected, knowing that you have mm -hmm. people who care about you and support you all over the world, knowing that these are people that you can turn to on the phone. I have a cousin in California I talk to very often, a cousin in New Jersey who lives not too, um, not too mm -hmm. far from me, who I also talk to on a regular basis. Knowing that these people are there always makes you feel like you have family. And from a work perspective, I think for us, we were a distributed agency, meaning we had multiple locations um, regardless. We were working remotely um, two days a week and working in office three days a week, and people were mm. coming mm -hmm. to the office at different days. But the feeling of family, family first, um, the feeling, mm. the commitment to each other was never unwavering. So when COVID hit, I think the very first thing that really hit us was not, oh my God, how are we going to work? We're going to lose our culture. It was, how are you feeling? How are you doing? Um, Work-life balance, because we, you know, being at home, not having the commute, you're sitting in front of your screen, you get up and the very first thing that you do is you, you know, you go to your email. So it was really supporting each other in that work-life balance and the craziness and making sure that people are healthy and making sure that um, we're always doing the right thing for each other. And, you know, till this day, we've hired so many people, uh, so many new people that come to our agency. And my um, co-CEO, Jim Woodland, um, who's the CEO of Compass, and I, we, um, we do a two-to-one with, we try to do it with every single employee that we have. So we have a thousand people. And are trying to make sure that every person has a time with us and that we get to hear the good, the bad, the indifferent. And we always ask them, especially people who are new, how's the culture? And it's amazing to hear how celebratory they are um, of mm. our culture, how much they praise it, how even though a lot of people are remote and we do come into the office occasionally to meet with one another for critical business. Mm. Um, initiatives um just how how people feel about each other even though they may not have ever met them and what's really interesting is i have seen people for the first time 
in person mm-hmm. just this year. And I never realized it was for the first time because we were on screen, because mm-hmm. we felt so connected. I like neither, none of us realized that, hey, this is the first time we're actually meeting face to face live in person mm-hmm. as opposed to live virtual on screen. And boy, did we do a lot of hugging. <laughs> So, so I love that. And what, so what's your advice for leaders who may not really have the family culture focus or that family culture feeling that you've established? What's your advice for them who want to start to create that for their team? You know, I think it comes down to trust and care. Those are the two factors. I think you always have to ask yourself, you know, the why behind this discomfort with potentially being remote first or remote when appropriate. And I think for a lot of people, it comes down to trust. Hmm. Uh, We trust, we trust one another. We trust one another immensely. Um, And we support and care about one another. And when you have the trust and care in any type of healthy relationship, those are the things that matter most. And you can have conversations, you can discuss anything, nothing is off the table. So I I feel that those two things are really important. And both of those things, they're earned. They're not a given. Hmm. They're earned indeed. And it's, I'm trying to imagine being an employee going to a two-on-one conversation with the two CEOs. There's probably a lot of intimidation going on when you're like, wow, we've got two CEOs on here and they're asking me questions, but oh, it's not like no. you've got the, you get, it, how is it, it? How does that, how does that play out um, on these one-on-one a, calls or two-on-one calls? We're, we're super visible and we are, hmm. um, I, I would like to think we're super friendly people. We are not an intimidating group. Um, not, not Jen and, and I hope not myself as well. So we proactively, um, we ask people, um, our virtual door as well as our, our doors. We don't have offices. We sit with everybody else, um, all together kind of in a community setting. So I don't have an office with a door that you can, mm. um, potentially go into. Um, I, you know, my New York office is, is, it's, it's a, a giant row of, uh, desks and we, we were all together. Um, but yeah, we, we try to be, um, we try to be really visible. We have, uh, monthly bell ringers that we attend to celebrate people's successes. We have mm-hmm. quarterly or bi-monthly town halls. We ask people to, um, to always come to us, but we proactively book time with them and also tell them that this is their time. Um, and I think once people know us, they know that we are um, not an intimidating, but really caring group um, and genuinely listen and and respond. So it's it's not just, you know, you talk mm-hmm. and we don't listen. We're doing it as a check mark. We're not. We're doing it because we really care. Thank you for that. I think a lot of you can benefit from that. And I like the way you sort of broke in there, like some really tangible ways that you're, that you're doing it. Um, so congratulations on that and making that work. And that to me, uh, having, I can imagine two on one being proactively scheduled by the CEO, you're going to make sure to show up 
and show up prepared. Yeah, we do make sure that they know that, hey, you don't need to prepare. Um, even though people okay. do. Um, right, they, do right. they, they really do try. Um, and I think what's really great about our, our family first, um, we are family uh, mindset is that if someone has a conflict, they're not afraid to let us know, hey, have a conflict, can we move this? And it's like, absolutely, um, with lots of follow-ups and uh, yeah. Wow, We're very so cool. blessed, I think, in that, in that respect. Now, now, one of the things uh, that you said is that you're from Ukraine, and obviously there's a war in, going on in the Ukraine right now. Uh, and what is it like being CEO of a company where you're working with global brands, you're working global impact and you're, you know, your home country's just, you know, ha having a, a horrific experience there. How, how do you experience that as a leader? How do you process it working in a global company? Yeah. Um, you know, I think the work life balance for everyone, it's not just me as a leader and not, not just the fact that there's, you know, Ukraine and there's a horrible war and I have family and I have friends there that I mm -hmm. need to, um, I don't want to say compartmentalize because it is a part of the life that I lead every single day. Um, just knowing that that exists, but you know, there's, there's family tragedies. There are lots of things that happen to all of us and we have to be able to, um, we have to be able to continue. We have to be our authentic selves. There are times when my team has seen me cry and, you know, they know that it's, it's genuine Susan. Um, hmm. There are days where, you know, my father was, um, he was very sick. He passed away where I couldn't be in certain places because I needed to be there for my family. And I think it's really important for leaders and leaders could be, you know, they don't need to be CEOs. You could be a leader and be a phenomenal administrative assistant. You don't need a title to be a leader. But I think leaders have to be genuine. People mm -hmm. have to be genuine. You have to feel like when you are at work, when you are giving yourself, especially in that environment, that, you know, life happens. And sometimes it you can't compartmentalize. Sometimes you just have to be you. You have to have your your space to be you. Hmm. And during COVID, I think we saw a lot of a lot of different things happen to people. Um, loneliness, you know, sickness, tragedy, war, um, so many different things. And that's that's where having your work family is also so important. Hmm. Having your work family, having another group other than, you know, having, uh, I can see things be going well at work or be more stable at work than your personal life. And that's great that instead of fighting and, and compartmentalizing them all the time, sometimes one can support the other, other. in uh, yeah. unique ways. Um, I had a, an experience during the pandemic where I, was, I uh, we provide a lot of leadership training to a, a global computer company. And we had seven different cohorts around the world. And it was so weird sometimes working with leaders in the U.S. versus working with a cohort in India or China. So in China, they weren't really being allowed to go outdoors. In India, 
uh, India was providing a lot of the vaccines for around the world, but they didn't have them in India, interestingly, and they were experiencing a lot of death inside their teams from COVID. And there was a lull in the U.S. where it was almost like COVID went away temporarily before the next you know variants came through and people were just talking about taking vacations. It was a really weird, all in the, and we, we usually do these in, in a 24 hour period. So we, I, I got to, I, I tell people I go around the world actually in 12 hours, uh, when I work with them all and it really opened me up. And what I, to that, I was like, man, we're always not, a, when we get in the international side of business, you really have an awakening a lot of times about things that people are going through. And as leaders, we've got to be open to supporting them wherever wherever they may be. Yeah. And it might be there we're supporting them or they're supporting us. And I encourage the teams in the U.S. to check in with their counterparts in India because they will get together on staff meetings, but there wasn't a lot of a conversation going on about that. And I'm like, y'all, do you know what your team is dealing with in India right now? <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, culturally, there is also um, a different, uh, you know, different um, norms and different ways of expressing mm-hmm. oneself. So understanding what those different ways are and how difficult or easy it may be for someone to share personal moments. Um, you know, mm-hmm. not being born in this country, I found it was very, very interesting to see how friendly people are in this country, especially when they meet you for the first time, you can hear someone's entire story um, when you first, <laughs> uh, which in other countries, my husband is French and it's, it's a very, very, very different um, upbringing and just mm. ways of being. So it is really interesting to be able to form those bonds um, culturally, globally, and uh, support one another. And that's why, Leadership is not a one episode or one book or one year training. It's a lifetime of learning. It is definitely a lifetime of learning. All right. So, well, I've got so many questions and I'm already, I already know I'm not going to get to even half of them. Um, all right. So one of the things that, that comes up for me is uh, CMI has never had a layoff. Is that, is that accurate? Okay. That's accurate. And there've been a lot of ups and downs and I believe y'all are CMI has been around founded like in the eighties, correct? 34 years. For 34 years, no layoffs, which to me is pretty remarkable considering economic upturns and also the nature of your business uh, and how it might ebb and flow with economic conditions, or, you know, you may gain a big customer or lose a customer or they may grow or, you know, just depending on those, on those variables. What have you learned from that experience? And I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking that those learnings could be pretty interesting to the leaders. Even if they've had layoffs, they're probably not work for a company that never had them. And so what what's that like as a leader and, and what's been your learning along the way? Um, you know, I have to give credit where credit is due, and that is to our chairman, Stan Woodland, who founded CMI, um, mm-hmm. both CMI and Compass. He is a absolutely remarkable human being, not just a leader, but just a remarkable human being, one of the best people I have ever met in my entire life. Um, and 
I think some of the lessons that I learned from him is um, be patient, be genuine, Mm. do good work, focus first on your customers and your people, and everything else will come. If you do really good work, if you treat your people well, the people, Mm. your people, your family, your work family, um, and we do have an internal mantra, we are family. is the most important thing for us and take care of your clients first. Make sure that you live and breathe their business as well as the people that are part of your agency. Um, Everything else will take care of itself. Stan has always also been a investor in things, Hmm. um, which he taught me to be as well. See a vision. And if you have a vision, if 10 things that the vision leads you to require an investment, if two or three of those work out, that's phenomenal. And the others, we don't say fail fast because you don't fail. You learn and you adjust. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's those types of things along with understanding that when you bring in a person to your agency, you're not just bringing them in, you're bringing in their families, their extended families, their children, their significant others, their pets, and all of these things, right? You you have a responsibility for people. So we don't take that responsibility lightly. We believe in our people. We believe in work-life balance, and we believe in support. So regardless of where the business takes us, if you think again of people first, You'll always do the right thing. Want to boost your productivity and decision-making? Get vital insights from each episode delivered directly to your inbox. A great resource whether you've listened to the episode or not. Go to benfanning.com slash insight. So when you look at all the different aspects of an employee, because it sounds like you're, yeah, that, that acknowledgement, it's Kind of like uh, getting married. Like you know, you're, you're you're not just marrying the person you see on paper or you interact with. You're that's their family, their friends, their assets. Everything is kind of coming in, unless there's some some kind of prenup. Maybe I don't know, <laughs> but still, there's a lot coming in. Just the person. Are you taking a very like carefully calculated approach, strategic approach to hiring? Are you really slow to hire? Well, you know, marriage does sometimes occasionally end up in divorce. So (laughs) an awful lot, according to the uh, statistics out there, I don't don't know if it's still like 50%, but it's, it's a lot still. In in full seriousness, um, we do try very hard to make sure that we bring in um, people that we, that A, believe in us and B, that we believe will thrive in the organization. One thing that Mm -hmm. we do strive for is cultural ads, not cultural fits. Um, We don't Hmm. want necessarily to have a me too type of environment. We want to make sure that we are um, a diverse group of doers and thinkers. Um, So that is important to us. Um, We look for diversity and talent. We look at diversity and mindset um, and experience. in cultural upbringings and in every every aspect of diversity, mm. um, and make sure that we not only 
bring that diversity in, but we let that diversity thrive in people. So, you know, my um, co-CEO, Jim and I, we always say we are just an N of one. So when we're in meetings together, you know, if you have a perspective and it's different from ours, that's awesome. Bring it on. Um, we love and encourage, um, you know, debate and, and, and passion. And, um, you know, we don't have a mindset of just because I said, or, you know, they said, or he said, or she said, um, that we have to do anything in any particular way. We really do try to, you know, elevate our game by having different perspectives. That's a cool quote. Uh, cultural ads, not cultural fits. And it seems on the surface, oh yeah, that makes sense. But you're really, I think if you let it sit in for a minute, leaders, so many times you're like, well, is that person, that they fit to our culture versus we're going to be changed by the people that we're bringing in. And of course, are, are they going to change us in a direction that we think is going to be healthy for us <laughs> as an organization? But then you're looking for people to help maybe push culture, to push you beyond, to ex- to expand, to be more creative, to be, to be more in- innovative. Well, if your and, culture starts off with being diverse, if you do care about diversity mm-hmm. of, you know, in a family, I mean, I just look at my own extended family. Gosh, I mean, we are the most, probably the most diverse group um, in, in every which way, um, every which way. And you care about people's perspectives. They don't always have to align with yours, but you are open to various different views, various different perspectives. You try to understand them and you try to, you know, to to embed them into, into our future. So if 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 you were bred from that type of culture, which is the culture that I, I firmly believe Stan Woodland brought into our agency when he founded it. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, someone once said to me, you are not a go along to get along kind of person. You always, my mother instilled in me, do right, don't be right. It's much more important to do the right thing than to be right. Um, and when you have that, you know, you don't have to go along to get along. We can get along. If we can have our own diverse perspectives on things because it's from that diversity that we can be smarter, better, stronger together. Yeah, a really nice playbook around how leaders work with a diverse organization. Once you create it, there seems to be so much focus on how to make your company more diverse. But well, once you're there, how do you harness the creative energy of what you've created? <laughs> it doesn't seem like maybe that can be your like maybe that can be your book. There you <laughs> go. Yeah, the superpower of. Uh, yeah. Uh, perspective. Yeah. 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 You, you're finally there. Then what next? So I think that, I think that's really really cool. I also noted recently the statistics that your your company's 56 percent female at all levels of the organization. Yeah, actually higher um, higher at the top too. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. We, uh, yeah. We're and, very. And so what? How has that changed things? I don't know that it 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 does, other than the fact that those are stats. Um, we are respectful to everyone in the agency, um, regardless of 
their label, but we we are um, very much a female run uh, from a percentage perspective organization. And we love that. We love, we absolutely love that. We are, um, have a lot of, a uh, lot of very strong women, both on the CMI and Compass side. Um, mm-hmm. It is a wonderful, wonderful feeling um, to know that there are so many brilliant, strong, capable, vulnerable, um, bring yourself as you are women, mm-hmm. um, you know, superheroes. They are my superheroes. They really are. I mean, COVID, kids. Um, just everything and, and just the genuineness of everything that they bring, um, which, you know, on any given day could be so many different things. It's just, you know, I salute every single one of them. So was the time you had an unexpected twist or failure in your career and how did it lead to your success or growth on down the road? Oh my goodness. Well, I think when I first was um, going to university, I really wanted to do theater, um, film and theater. Um, and I think the uh, the worst failure that I had, I worked for a television show. And a week prior to that, I was also working in a shoe store while going to college. And I um, thought I was interviewing someone for a shoe salesman position, salesperson position. Um, it turned out he was a famous football player um, and played along with me. So he really was not interviewing for a <laughs> salesman. Um, and on the show, I didn't know that. Um, he was a, um, a guest on the show and, um, hmm. yeah, told the story about a young woman who interviewed him for a shoe salesperson, <laughs> which he did not get. Um, so yeah, I, I really wanted to be in theater, really wanted to be, um, on the big screen, little screen, um, but had no talent. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, when you have a lot of friends who have a lot of talent and you have none, you have to shape your career. So I think that was my first big failure and realization that I needed to do something different with my life. I suspect you learned a lot in that process about uh, performance and communication? I did. I did. I did. And it was, uh, I've had a wonderful career. It really has been a, a wonderful learning as well. I, I, I think for me, learning is, is something that is, um, the greatest gift I can give mm-hmm. myself. So I'm self-taught in a lot of things. Uh, Tomorrow you ask me to be an expert in something, I will just jump all in. Um, so it, it's been a wonderful career because I've been able to shift it. Um, and my journey has been self-made. So, yeah. When you when you go all in on learning something new, what is your default first step in terms oh, of how Google. you approach it? Google. Oh, Google. my God. Total Google. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Total. Absolute Google. I, I, I. I read, I consume so much content, um, probably mm-hmm. more than any human is capable. Um, but yeah, Google first. And do you take notes as you go along? Do you eventually get it? Usually find yourself in the books, book approach or like a course or where? Um, 
Sure, just a lot of reading, a lot of different perspectives, a lot of yeah. reading. Um, I have a visual memory, so I don't mm-hmm. generally have to write things down. And if I do, if you ever saw my notes, they are, it's like an art. Um, you'd probably never be able to read them, but it is a visual memory. So um, a visual memory, meaning that it's like, like a photographic memory where you, you remember whatever you read. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Have you, and this has been something, a superpower of yours for, for a long time or just um, to train yourself. Yeah, no, it's, it's been a, yeah, it's been something that I've had now that is a superpower, but it's also a curse. <laughs> Tell me more. How, how has it been a curse sometimes or um, a superpower? When, over yeah. So when you, when you see things visually, as you remember them, sometimes you, when you can't stop thinking about them in the middle of the night, when you're trying to fall asleep, you just continue. It's uh, not just thoughts, it's visuals, it's memory. Um, of all of these things that are popping up, things that you have to do. You wake up in the middle of the night with these visuals and it's like, I have to uh, generally take a note somewhere. Got it. Got it. And so you process them, you write them down, you sort of get through them. Is that? Uh... Um, I write down action items as a result. Action of items. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> makes, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Even probably. for people without a photographic memory, Getting stuff out of your brain on the paper can be a huge stress reliever. I, I saw some research that like if we have any any more than three open items in our brain at one time, it starts to create just some sort of stress. And the more you add to that, the more stressful yeah. it can be. Oh, yeah, yeah. I passed it down. I think uh, I'm not sure which which of my parents had it, but I definitely passed it down to my son. So <sighs> Wow. And so when is a memorable time of when your photographic memory came into play and it was helpful? Every single day, every single day, every single day, uh, you know, I get on calls when I'm, you know, reading something and I have to pull that out of memory. It's, it's every single day. So you don't need to take notes that often. Um, I do, but they're, they're snippets. It's usually keywords and they are placed all over my notebook. Um, and I still do use my notebook because I feel like phones and uh, technology distract me from listening to others. Um, so I will take snippets of notes just for, to trigger recall. So for all you leaders of CMI, let me tell you, she remembers that email you sent. <laughs> you better do it. You better do that report, whatever it happens to be. Oh, that is that is such a cool story. All right, so starting to wrap this up a little bit here. Over the years, what's been your biggest source of inspiration, and why? And when's it when's a challenging time that helped get you through? Um, my mom. Hmm. My mom. Sorry, a little emotional. Was not expecting that question. Um. My mom is my greatest source of inspiration, uh, smartest human being I know, um, kindest human being I know, sacrificed her entire life for me and for my dad and for my son. Um, always in the back burner. She's always number now, number three, um, when my dad was alive was always number four but always put us first um just the best human being um 
truly as a human being that I know and has always mm. taught me to do the right thing. Yeah. Sorry, didn't mean to get as emotional as I did, but I was not expecting that question. <laughs> well, you, I'll point out to the listeners that, you know, you walk the talk. You, you know, you, we talked about family, the family culture. And the best way to have that kind of culture is to talk about your real family and let them know how you operate within that and let them, you know, come together. And it's important to acknowledge that really no leader is truly, you know, got there by themselves. I mean, some of us are fortunate, uh, myself included, to have parents that really supported us along the way and sacrificed. Uh, some of us don't always have that and we have, and we find other places of inspiration, but I think it's so important regardless as a leader to have that humility, to acknowledge it. So thank you for that. Uh, all right. So wrapping this up and again, I'm like, man, I have so many more questions. So but it's such a fun interview today. Wrapping this up though, what is your parting thought for our listeners? I think all of us in the morning when we get up um, are truly there to do good. Um, I don't think any one of us wants to wake up and say, this morning I'm going to be a stinker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully but not. you never know. Well, I, I, I do have, I have a belief in mm. people. Mm. I, I hear that. And I, I really believe that. believe that most people when they are behaving in a way that we may not always appreciate, it's likely there's a pain or something there. Um, they may not feel heard. They may, whatever those reasons are. And I would just say now more than ever, be kind, be gentle. Um, don't judge, give people a chance, lead by example. And as my mother would say, it's more important to do right than to be right. Hmm. Love that advice. Thanks for coming on the show today, Susan. Thank you. Thank you for having me. If you're an executive at a crossroads in your career and thinking about quitting, do this before you do anything else. Head over to benfanning.com slash quit to receive a free signed copy of my number one best-selling book, The Quit Alternative, The Blueprint for Creating the Job You Love Without Quitting. You'll learn the critical questions you must answer before you make such an impactful decision. Go to benfanning.com slash quit to get this valuable resource for just the cost of shipping. Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. Magazine columnist, and CEO of the Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.